30 years old this year by the grace of God, and I'm grateful for that. I started pastoring when I was 10. Matthew 7. Let's stand. Matthew chapter 7. Today we're going to consider verses 1 through 5. And I believe we're going to deal with one of the hardest uh, sayings of Jesus. All of the sayings of Jesus are hard, as I said last week. But this is one of the hardest for us, I believe, because it's one of the most misinterpreted scriptures in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 7. Today we'll consider verses 1 through 5. And I've entitled this teaching, Judge Not. Let's read out loud and together. Ready? Read. Judge not that you be not judged. Verse 2. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Verse 3. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Verse 4. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's the log in your own eye? Verse 5. Say that again. Verse 5. You... One more time, you. First take the log out of your... To take the speck. That's good. Father, help us today as we sit at your feet. Grant us grace, I pray. Touch my lips this morning, Lord. Grant me clarity of mind, precision of speech, and give these your people an ear to hear, a heart to receive, grace to apply, and we will be careful to give you thanks. Spirit of the living God, we thank you for coming, for resting upon us. Uh, I pray that the word would come alive in our hearts, Lord. Illuminate the text, I pray, and point us to Christ like only you can. And this we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Be seated. Bear with me. I'm using my baby iPad today, and the words are increasingly smaller to my eyes. Uh, I may need glasses, but I'm going to live in denial until I absolutely have to use them. We have all heard it, and we've probably said it at one point or another. Don't judge, right? Don't judge, and we usually say it, if we've said it, we usually say it in defense of our own actions, usually poor. We've heard it uh, sung in worldly songs, rap songs, country songs. All genres have addressed the issue of judging somebody else. But what is seldom understood is the purpose of the words of Jesus in Matthew's gospel, the seventh chapter, which is loaded, by the way, Matthew chapter. If you ever want to get stuck reading a portion of scripture, begin in Matthew 5 and in Matthew 7, and you'll be there for a considerable amount of time. Beginning of Matthew chapter 7, Jesus declares the following. He says, judge not, and then he says, lest you too will be judged. So this becomes the question, brother, help me now. What is Jesus calling for in these verses. What is Jesus really trying to say? Is he telling you never to judge? Is he talking about no judgment at all? Because that's usually how people take this verse. Don't judge anything and don't judge anybody ever, especially me. Is that what Jesus was trying to say? Is he talking about self-judgment? Is he talking about fair judgment? Or is he talking about divine judgment? As we break down this text, I need you to understand a few things. First of all, understand that the religious leaders of the day, they were guilty of exercising, hear this about in life, a false judgment. 
This is so important to the understanding of this, of this scripture. The religious leaders were guilty of exercising a false judgment about themselves, about other people, and even about the Lord. Please stay with me. This is what they were guilty of doing. They had a false judgment about themselves. They had a false judgment about other folks, and they even misjudged the Lord himself. This is imperative to your understanding. They were guilty of missing the mark in this way. Self-examination. Number two, they were guilty of judging other people too harshly. And number three, they were even guilty of misinterpreting and misjudging the Lord himself. Secondly, you need to understand that their false righteousness, it was their false righteousness, go with me, brother, it was their false righteousness that helped to encourage their false judgment. I'm just laying a foundation right here. When your righteousness is based upon a faulty foundation, your judgment is also going to be false. You cannot accurately discern, you cannot accurately minister grace to somebody if you have a marred view of self. This is absolutely important to the Christian walk. If you do not properly view yourself within the confines of the word of God, you're going to misjudge everything, hear me, and everyone around you. And not only are you going to misjudge everything and everyone around you, but you're never going to take the time to understand what Jesus was saying when he said, judge not lest you're going to be judged. And then you're going to adopt the attitude of Tupac, only God can judge me friend that is right God will judge us and that indeed is at the heart of what what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 7 but what we've missed entirely from the pulpit down is the purpose of God in teaching us not to judge others was he saying not to judge others that's not what he says that's not in harmony with the rest of the word of God by the way understand this I know this is in Sunday school but please hear your pastor all scripture must be interpreted within the context of the immediate text and the context of the entirety of the word of God nothing that the word of God God teaches should be isolated to that one particular to that one particular position. We must see the word of God as a whole and as the entire piece. Are you following what I'm telling you? It's a dangerous thing when we isolate the text. We can't do that. Every text is interpreted in its proper context and not only its immediate context but within the context of the entirety of the word of God. So was Jesus saying not to judge at all? Let me help you and answer the question. That's not what he's saying. We're going to read a text in just a moment how he talks about you and I must judge righteously. Judge righteous judgment. So let's just throw this in the trash as we finish this series on hard sayings. Telling people, don't judge. Is that what Jesus was saying? No. Look at verse 2. Are you with me? Shout hallelujah. All right. I know this is hard for you. You're looking, you're looking at me funny because you're like, what? I tell it to everybody. I'm t- I feel it right now. I feel like telling you you're judging me. Let's read verse 1 and 2 together now because it's a, continua- it's a continuation of the thought. Verse 2 is a continuation of verse 1. Ready? Read. Judge not. Wait. Everybody. Ready? Read. Judge not. Wait. Uh, listen. We have Krispy Kreme donuts for you because Brother Sal brought me some and I'm going to share with you. So uh, I need you all to read like you got a donut coming to you in about 20 minutes. Ready? Read. Judge not. Verse 2. For with the judgment... Stop. Stop right there. So in verse 1 and verse 1a, we see right off the bat that this portion of Scripture, and not only this portion of Scripture, but all of Matthew 7 is dealing with three different kinds of judgments. Now, I want you to get this. We don't have time to break down the chapter, but I want you to understand this. Maybe this should have been a three-part teaching, but it's not. In Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verses 1 through 5, we see that there are three parts to this judgment. What we're dealing with is the first part. Somebody shout the first part. The first part is us judging ourselves. 
This is the first principle when Jesus teaches judgment. And, and notice how he starts with us first. This is key. But in Matthew 7, there are three different judgments. Number one, we begin with our judgment of ourselves. Don't you miss this, church. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, we find the judgment of ourselves. Let's continue. Secondly, the second judgment that we see is, the, is our judgment of other people. Matthew chapter 7, verse 6 through 20. And lastly, we see our judgment by God. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 29. Are you following so far? Now, to, for today's study, we're dealing with the first one, our judgment of ourselves. Go back to verse 1 and 2. Why did Jesus begin with the judgment of ourself? Because he knows that this is the most important one. Now, I know we tend to act like judging other people is the most important thing that we have to do on earth, but that's not the case. You're wrong. Say amen, somebody, if you're in the house. How many of you struggle with being overly judgmental? I'm not even going to lift my hands, I, my eyes. Not, I don't want to even see your hand, but I hope that somebody's hand is raised. Uh, we, we struggle with being judgmental. Am I not right? You walked into church and judged somebody by the way they, by the way they were dressed today. You looked at them up and down. I'm talking to the women now. You know you did it. Women look at each other from head to toe, shoes, dress, hair, the whole bit. Men, we're not really like that. We're, we're judgmental about other things. We'll judge a man by his carne. The way he cooks roast beef. Sal, I judge you by that, by the way. I'm just letting you know. Your tri-tip, I judge you every time. We judge, we judge a man by what he drives, where he lives, how much he makes. Different things. But we all struggle with being judgmental. Amen, pastor, you're teaching good. Amen, I know. Amen. We all struggle with being judgmental. Some people struggle with being overly judgmental. But Jesus says in verse 1 and, and verse 2, clause 8, Judge not that you not be judged, for with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. So when dealing with self-judgment, everybody say self-judgment. Somebody say self-judgment. This is what Jesus is dealing with here, by the way, and this is, this is the crux of our lesson. Self-judgment, self-examination. When we're dealing with this, we have to understand a few things. Number one, in self-judgment, you got to understand this right off the bat. We will be judged. Number one, we will, brother, are you following me? When, we're, when understanding, uh, no, uh, we will be judged. Brother, you skipped something, uh, but I, I'll teach it with, with or without your help. When, when we talk about self-judgment, understand, A, we will be judged. Okay? I know this seems really simple, but, but we forget this. Why, why do we have to be mindful of this? That's what Jesus is saying in verses 1 and 2. Hey, with, this, with the measure that you judge, it's going to come back to you. What's he talking about? The day that you're going to be judged. This speaks of a one-time final judgment. Somebody tell your neighbor, you're going to be judged by God one day. Tell your neighbor, you're going to be judged by God one day. So when we judge ourselves, I have a better word, when we examine ourselves, what are we doing? We're preparing ourselves for that final judgment. When we judge ourselves, what we're doing is we're, we're saying, I understand that one day, does anybody still believe that one day you're going to stand before the judge? Does anybody believe that one day you're going to see God? Help me, Abundant Life. Do you believe you're going to stand before the judge one day? You better believe what I'm teaching you today. One day you will stand before the judge. And he is a righteous judge. So why do we examine ourselves? Because one day I'm going to stand before the judge of all judges. Somebody shout amen if you're... In agreement, you're going to stand before the judge. So why do I examine myself? Because I'm going to be judged one day. And so I understand that I must judge myself. Before I look abroad, I must look within. I must examine myself. And here's why. Because self-examination is preparation. You have, to, you have to see it this way. All self-examination is preparation. Preparation for what? For that judgment day. 
Why do I walk circumspectly? I preach this at the Bible school uh, in Ephesians chapter 5. The apostle Paul writes to the church at Ephesus and he says, hey, don't be like fools. Don't walk like fools walk. Walk circumspectly. That's King James for be careful as to how you walk. In Ephesians 5, three times in a small chapter, he talks about how the believer walks. So he says, hey, pay attention as to how you're walking. Don't walk like the fools walk. He said, be wise. And then he says, redeem the time because you know that the days are evil. And so we examine ourselves. We examine our walk with God. Today's an opportunity. You ought to be examining yourself. If, there's some, if there is a discipline that's just as important to the believer as reading your Bible and going to church, self-examination should be right up there on the top of your list. This will, I promise you, this will get you ready for the, for the reality of an impending judgment, not a judgment unto condemnation, but understand that one day we will all give an account. The Bible says every idle word that we spoke, we will give an account for. The Bible says everything we did for him while we were saved, we will give an account for. And so I prepare myself. How do I prepare myself? By examining myself. We don't like to be examined. Who here likes to go to the doctor? Who here likes to go to the dentist? You don't. One brother, God bless your heart. No donut for you today. It's bad for your teeth. We shy away from self-examination and what we do is we examine everybody else around us. Y'all are real quiet here today. That's why it's a hard saying. Self-examination is preparation, and the Pharisees were guilty of playing God. They played God because they condemned other people, and they never considered the fact that God would one day judge them. They condemned other people and never considered the fact that one day they were going to stand before the righteous king. Consider this. When you are being overly judgmental and critical, you're forgetting the fact that you, you one day are going to stand and give an account for yourself. You see, this is how the Pharisees missed it. They were playing the role of God by condemning others, forgetting the fact that they one day will be judged. So self-examination is the fruit of the mature. Self-examination is what believers should practice before they go judging anybody else. Are you in the house? Shout hallelujah. So understand that we will be judged. Secondly, understand that we're being judged. We're being judged. Matthew chapter 7, verse 2. And I'm going to break it down in the B clause of the text. Watch this. Understand that you're being judged right now. Tell your neighbor, I'm being judged right now. Now... Watch this, Matthew chapter 7, verse 2, the B clause. Let's read it together. Ready, read from the beginning. Ready, read. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will what? Read that again. You will what? You will be judged. And read it again. And read the last part. And with the measure you use, it will be what? Get this. Right now, Brother Mo, God is judging you. He's measuring. What's he judging? Not your salvation. What's he judging? Let me help you. He's judging how you judge others. Right now, God has taken a measuring cup to you. To you? He's saying, okay, Martha. I'm going to see how you handle this and how you judge. That's, that's the measure it's, you're going to receive. I like that you're quiet. We will be judged. Number two, we're being judged. What do you mean? We're being measured right now. You see, the word of God doesn't lie. Here's the funny thing about the Bible. It's truth. Whatever he says, you can take it to the bank. So when Jesus says, uh, whatever measure you use, it's going to be used unto you. He's not playing, he's not joking, and he's not using hyperbole. He's saying, be careful how you judge others. That's why it's always better to lean on the side of mercy because the measure that you give others, that's what you're going to get that day. 
You should give mercy even when you don't want to give mercy. I can't stand you. I can't stand what you do. I can't say, but I'm going to be merciful to you, not even for your sake. I'm being merciful to you for, because whatever I give to you, that's what, what, that's what I'm going to receive on that day. What day? Judgment day. Are you following the teaching here this morning? Shout amen. We're being judged right now. Now, the parallel passage sheds more light on this, and I think it helps us understand the text better. Go with me to Luke chapter 6, verse 37 and 38. I believe Luke's account is a little bit more helpful. Luke, being the physician that he was, he gives us a little bit more detail. He broadens the text and the teaching of the text. In Luke chapter 6, verse 37 and 38, we find the following. Ready? Help me read. Ready? Read. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Keep reading. Condemn not, and what? And then he says, forgive, and you will be Verse 38, everybody. Give and it will be good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. Now, in the Pentecostal church, Elder Brown, help me, especially in the black Pentecostal church, this verse is used almost entirely as it pertains to money. I've never heard this church, and I mean this, I've never, and I mean I never, and I mean I've never heard this, this verse preached within its proper context. Why hasn't anybody ever stood up and said, preacher, I have a question. Why are we applying this to money when I don't read anything that pertains to money here? You want to know what he's talking about? He said, give and it will be given unto you. But what's it talking about? In order to know what he's talking about, you got to read the previous text because every scripture is, 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 is interpreted within its context. Somebody shout context. And so all the preachers say, give and it shall be given unto you. Go, Arr! If I give a hundred, I'm getting a hundred. Wrong. I give a thousand, I can expect 10,000. Wrong. Now, if God decides to do it, then he's sovereign to do whatever he wants to do with it. But you better believe that if you're trying to pimp God and manipulate God, I said it, you heard this preacher say it, you better stop. That's witchcraft. You say, I gave this, God owes me baloney. He doesn't owe you what, you, what he owes you is hellfire, but his grace and mercy intervened. He sent his son to die for you and for all your sins, and you're on your way to heaven. That's what he did for you. But the next time you hear a sermon, give and the shepherd, stop that. Let me help you. Go to the verse previous again, just in case you weren't aware as to what he's talking about. Give. Give what? Money? Wrong. Give me 37, Baldy, in the back, please, so these people can get their donut. Ready? Read. What? Judge. Help me. Read it again. What does he say? Judge not, and you will. Condemn not. And then he says what? Forgive. Keep reading because there's a comma there. Then he says... Give. Stop. Give what? Forgiveness. Mercy. Grace. Patience. Don't be judging other folk. Now, I'm going to talk about what kind of judgment we must do. I just gave you three judgments in the text. When Jesus says judge not, he's not saying don't ever judge anybody. That is not. I wish I could scream on my tippy toes. That's not what he means. Stop telling people, don't ever judge anybody. Stop that. It's not what Jesus meant. I'm going to tell you what the text clearly teaches us. But when we judge, let me, let me tell you something. Do you ever realize that you yourself are lying when you tell other people, don't judge? You do it every day. Talk to me in here. Let's be honest in church, my brother. Do you not judge other people every day in some way, shape, or form? Yes or no? Yes or no? But, yes, but yet you turn around and tell people what? Don't. You don't even apply that yourself. We tell people all the time, don't judge. 
But what do we do? We judge others. Stop that. You judge others, you're going to do it. We are going to do it. I'm judging people right now that didn't come to church. I'm just using an example that preachers do. Come on now. I'm looking right now like, who didn't come? Mm -hmm, she didn't come. I know she's at home, lazy sister. Yeah, terrible. And that brother, that brother has three weeks already missing this sermon. It's terrible. You see, we're going to judge. What we have to learn is how to judge righteous judgment. And what we have to learn how to do, and this is for everybody, is we have to learn how to begin here. I promise you, this judging here first, if this is your first stop, if you yourself are your first, if this is your first stop, if you will judge yourself before you ever judge anybody else, it's going to taper way down your judgment and criticism of, of other people. I promise you, I guarantee that if you will examine yourself daily first, it's going to taper way down what you got to say about other people. The old song says, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. The older song says, I need thee, Lord, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. But we live this way. She needs thee, Lord, she needs thee. Every hour, she needs thee. Oh, bless her now. Help her now. Deliver her now. Wrong. You're the one standing in the need of prayer. And as long as we can see and begin here, the judgment of others is going to taper way down. Hear me. And we're going to operate in the intended purpose of God. Watch this now because here's the purpose of judgment. That we might be able to minister and help, and help give grace to those who need it. What's the purpose of judgment? I'm getting ahead of myself. But here it is. That, 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 that's what it is. This is why we do it. We have to understand that we're being judged. I'm trying to help somebody here. Understand. Go back, go back with me now, brother. We are going to receive from people exactly what we give them. That's what we're going to do. We're going to receive exactly what we give. However you're judging people, that's what you can bet. It's coming back to you. We're going to receive exactly what we give. Uh, let me continue. The kind of judgment and the measure of judgment that you use is going to come back to you. You're going to reap what you sow. Now, thirdly, when we're talking about self-judgment, understand thirdly that we must be able to see clearly. Uh, give me the letter C. See, we must be able to see clearly in order to help other people. This is what Matthew 7 is really dealing with. And I've never heard this taught the way I'm teaching it to you right now. Here's why, Matthew, here's why Jesus said what he said in Matthew 7. Give me the text. I love the word of God. Look at verse 3 through 5. And we, first, for whatever reason, we've missed the purpose here. I know I've read this too, and I've preached this years prior, and I missed it. I, don't, I didn't see it this way. Watch what it says. Verse 3. Ready? Read. Wait, wait, wait. Are you here? Re ready? Read. Why? Uh-huh. Okay. Stop. Let's break this down critically. Why do you... Go back. Give me verse 3, brother. Why do you see the speck? Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye? Notice. What Jesus is doing is he's exposing the error of their judgment first. Where did they go wrong? He begins in verse 3. Why do you see the speck that's in your... So what were they missing here? They were beginning not with self. They were beginning with what? They saw others first. They were tripping over the speck in their brother's eye. So he's saying, why are you looking at his eye? Why are you looking at what he has going on first? Are you with me? But you don't notice the what? Come on, I love it. You don't notice the log in your own eye. Verse 4, let's keep reading. Ready, read. How can you say to your brother, let me. Oh, I love it. 
Somebody shout, that's ministry. Come on, somebody say, that's ministry. Ministry is not standing behind a pulpit. That's giving grace to others. You're ministering grace to them in their time of need. That's what we're all called to do. So watch it now. How can you say to your brother, hey, let me help you. Let me minister grace to you. Let me take that speck out of your eye when there's the log in your own. We've missed the purpose of God here in self-examination. You see, he intends for you to be able to help your brother who just might have a speck in his eye. But you can't see your brother clearly with that log in yours. You can't minister grace to somebody in their time of need when you have stuff going on in your own life that you haven't dealt with first. Now, what I'm not telling you is that you need to have a perfect life before you extend grace to somebody. But what I am telling you is as it pertains to judgment, tone it way down. See what you got going on so that you can give grace to somebody who needs it. Are you in the house? Shout hallelujah. That's what, that's what Jesus is trying to tell you. Hey, you, 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 why, why, why are you beginning with your brother? You gotta, we, we must see clearly. We must be able to see clearly if we're going to be able to serve other people. We don't judge and examine ourselves, and so we end up hurting other people. And, I, and I'm guilty of this. I, I, don't, I don't examine myself. I don't examine what I have going on. And, I, and instead of helping other people, I end up hurting other people. I end up hurting other people with my criticism, with my conduct, with my attitude towards them. I end up being overly harsh and critical because I don't realize that the purpose of self-examination is for me to be able to see them clearly. I can't help you if I can't see clearly through my own mess. I can't minister grace to you if I myself am blind to my own need for God's grace. But when I can self-examine myself, I see my need for his grace and mercy. I see my need for his word, my need for his strength, my need for his peace. And I'm able to see you clearly and not, not with an overly harsh, uh, come on now, criticism. I'm able to see you in light of God's grace and I can help extend that grace to you because I can see you clearly. Imagine if your doctor was blind and you needed him to check you. Everybody would walk out concerned, like, are you sure you can see what's going on with me? I want you to thank you, Holy Ghost. It's, uh, I, I, it's, it's, it's like, how many of you have ever gotten an x-ray? Raise your hand if you've seen an x-ray of a broken bone. Not me, I've never broken. Well, let me correct that. I, I believe I have broken bones in my body, but we as a Latino family, we were never taken to the hospital or to the doctor. I believe I have a, my knee has a weird bone sticking out of it. It always has. I think I broke my leg when I was little. I never got to the doctor, though. It just healed all by itself with a little bit of vapor rub. Vapor rub and a Sprite. Vapor rub and a Sprite. How that healed me, I don't know, but here I am by the grace of God. I walk a little bit crooked. You wonder why? Because we're Latino. We, don't, we break bones. Like, Get up, mijo. Estás bien. Have you ever seen an x-ray? Now, can you, what would you do if your doctor walked in with your x-rays in hand, fumbled and put them up there, but couldn't see and said, I'm going to tell you what your x-ray says. At one point, Jesus told the religious, we have the blind leading the blind. They both fall into a ditch. Because we have blind Christians trying to help other people with what they got going on, but they can't even see themselves. Well, let me tell you what you need to do. Wait a minute. You can't even see what you got going on. How are you going to effectively help me and give me grace? See, it's not that you need to be perfect in order to help somebody else. But what's going to happen is if you can't see clearly, you're not going to be able to help them effectively. And so our prayer should be, Lord, help me to see myself clearly so that I can give grace to those who need it. 
Somebody shout amen in the house of God. Can you give the Lord a praise this morning? Come on. We got to be able to judge and examine ourselves. So what's the purpose of self-judgment? The purpose of self-judgment is so that we're able to serve other people. Uh, somebody shout, check yourself. I feel like saying like Ice Cube, check yourself before you. You said it, not me. You got to be able to see clearly, Elder Brown, understand that Jesus didn't have a one-size-fits-all type of grace. Anytime that Jesus interacted with people, he ministered to them where they were. Give me Bible. When he met Nicodemus, he talked to Nicodemus about the new birth. When he finds the woman at the well, he ministers grace to the woman at the well on a way that reaches her on her level. When Jesus dealt with those that tried to paint him into a corner of the religious of his day, Jesus had no answer for them at all. He remained silent. What you won't find Jesus do is dealing with people with a blanket in, in a blanket way. Jesus had his own way with each person that he encountered. With the woman at the well, he knew the grace that she needed. With Nicodemus, he knew the word that he needed. With Andres Moreno, he knew the word that he needed. With, with Come on now, with Joylene Diener, he knew the word that she needed. Guess what? He knows the word that you need right now. He knows the grace that you need. He knows the grace that Sister Maida needs. He knows the grace that Brother Rudy Carrillo needs. Guess what? And God will meet you. Jesus will meet you at your point of need. But why does he meet you at your point of need? Because it's not a one-sided fits all kind of grace it's not a one-size-fits-all ministry of the Holy Spirit no the Lord sees you where you are he knows what you need and he ministers to that need effectively let me help you here what I got going on right now is not what you got going on right now but the grace and the spirit of Jesus is able to find me and minister to me and give me hope and strength this is what's incredible about the Word of God we all have different issues say amen I said, we all have different issues. Shout amen. But you're all getting the same word. But even though you're hearing the same word, you're hearing something else. You want to know why? Because the master physician takes the word of God and like the bomb of Gilead, he applies it to your wounds. I feel the Holy Ghost in here. The master of Galilee takes the word and he sends his word and he heals your disease. That's what he does. The Bible says he sent his word and he healed their diseases. And that's what he does right now. In a room like this, he sends his word and and he applies it to whatever that is whatever is ailing your sin sick soul. Isn't it amazing that we all can have different issues, different struggles, and different problems? And Jesus will send his word and it'll find you where you are. Isn't it amazing that he can find Nicodemus and say, You need to be born again? He finds the woman at the well and says, This is what you need. Nicodemus needed to be born again. The woman at the well needed water that satisfies her soul. The religious needed no answer at all. But you'll, you'll never be able to minister effectively if you can't see clearly. Say amen if you're in the house. So the Pharisees, they judged, they judged others. This is, what they, this is what they were guilty for. Look at it. We're almost done. The Pharisees, they were guilty of judging others. And this is, what, this is how they did it. They judged others to make themselves look good. Help us, Jesus. You see, this, is, this was the sin of the Pharisee. The Pharisees judged other people not to help other people. They judged other people to make themselves look better. This is what we do, too. Not one amen at ALC. Mm. We judge other people to make ourselves look good. Man, this, she's so terrible. She's such a sinner, right? Man, I thank God I'm holy. She's awful. I'm, I'm holy, though. Man. We, do it, we do it to make ourselves look what? And she's such a terrible parent. Can you believe she let her child do that? And I thank God that I don't let my boys do what they do. Yeah, so you're judging, but you're judging with the intent to what? To make yourself look what? You see how we do that? We judge, but we do it with the intention to make ourselves look better. Whew. With 
when we judge, we, we start with ourselves. And here's why we start with ourselves, so we can help others look better. When was the last time you said, man, Lord, help me see myself so that I can help somebody else look better? Huh? The Bible says, consider others better than yourself. That's what he tells us to do because he knows that, you, that, he knows that this doesn't come naturally to us. We think we're better than everybody. So the Lord had to check and say, hey, consider everybody else is better than you. One thing that I hate, I abhor whenever I speak somewhere is when they stand and read some kind of bio. They talk about the great things that that person does. I cringe every time I hear it. And I spoke at the Bible school, and Dr. Marty stood up there and said, this man does this, and this man is that, and he's doing this, and he's got this, and he does this. And I went to his church, and his church was this, and it was great, and, it was, and I'm sitting there cringing. That's not false humility. It, it makes, it's, it's uncomfortable. I understand the principle of honor. I get all that. But it's uncomfortable for me. Because it, uh, it always feels better when we can make somebody else feel better. It's always better to put the good on other people. It's always good to give grace to somebody that needs grace in their time of need. Are you in the house here this morning? Isn't it always better to be in the position to give to somebody else? Isn't it always better to be in the position to be able to give and minister to somebody else instead of finding yourself in that place of need? And we're always going to be on both sides at one point or another, but it's always better. I don't know about y'all, but it's, I, I like it better when I can be a blessing to somebody else. Amen. Now, there are two extremes. i got to give you this to close. There are two extremes to avoid when we talk about self-examination, and I'm going to calm down and teach this like I felt it. There are two things you need to guard against when we deal with self-examination, and they are extremes, and we're guilty. I'm guilty of both. I am naturally a pessimist. Consider that, a preacher who's a pessimist. I'm a pessimistic preacher. What does that mean? That means that my, my cup is always half empty. It's always a little gray outside. I don't care how sunny it is. It can be a beautiful day. Well, it might rain today. Who knows? Our day might be ruined. That's me. I'm pessimistic, not, not optimistic. No, if, if something could go wrong, I'm thinking to myself, it's probably going to go wrong because it's me. That's how I live. And brother, are you optimistic? Are you always positive? No? Are you in between? What about you? Optimistic? Pessimistic? You're pessimistic. Look, I can see it all over your face. Now, when we deal with self-examination, there are two things we need to avoid. Number one, take note of this. Number one, we need to be careful about the deception of a shallow examination. We need to guard against this abundant life. And if you're listening right now over CD or podcast, you need to guard against the deception of a shallow examination. We're guilty of this. Some of you might examine yourself, but the examination is shallow. And guess what that is? It's a deception. You want to know why it's deception? Because you're not being honest with yourself about what you really got going on. It's shallow. Give me another word. It's surface level. Now, y'all stood before the mirror, I hope, before you came to church. Okay, nobody stood before the mirror before you came to church? How, ladies, how many of you looked at yourself in the mirror before you came? Thank you. Why'd you do it? Talk to me. Why'd you look yourself in the mirror before you came out? Talk to me. What? Okay, right? Make sure you look, right? Anybody else? Why'd you look at yourself? Why don't you just get ready and never, never even take a glance just by faith? <laughs> just, you put, you, you've done it. You've gone with your tag out, inside out. The dress inside out and everything. Went to town that way. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Now, let me help you. Now, what you do there before you go out, 
that's a shallow examination. That's a quick glance. When I was preparing the Spirit of God, that, those are the words he used for me. He said, hey, he, tell him to beware, beware of the quick glance. Spiritually speaking, he said, tell the church to beware of the quick glance because this is what they're doing and this is why they're harsh and overly critical because all they do is they give themselves a quick glance but they give a thorough examination to everybody else. They give, they give, they give themselves a what? But everybody else, it's... I mean, you're lifting. I'm talking about nook and cranny examination on other people. Come on now. I'm talking like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I see that. You think you're hiding, but I see you. Oh, but with you, what do you do? Good. Somebody shout, quick glance. Yeah, this is what you do when you, when you, when you examine yourself. It's a good. Saved. Holy. But with other people, it's, mm. you, have, you have an eagle eye as it pertains to others. But your vision is marred as it pertains to self. Matthew 7 begins with the judgment of self. This is where the bugs, this is where it begins. And, and, and here's why. Because we have to be careful that we're not deceived with a shallow examination of self. I'm guilty of this. There's been times, that, and, and, and I know what James says. We just taught James verse by verse. James says, examine yourselves to make sure that you're in. The, you better be sure that you're in the Bible over and over. Not only in James, Paul at Lane told the church, hey, be, my, be, be watchful, be diligent, be vigilant. Make sure that you're in the faith. What has happened in the church of America today? That we're no longer examining ourselves. We give ourselves quick glances. And let me tell you, this is prophetic. Not only for this church, but for the church of America. The church of America has given itself a quick glance. We've forgotten that judgment begins in the house of God. And we give ourselves a quick glance. Does it honor Jesus? Mm -mm, it seems okay. Let's do it. Does it glorify Christ? Mm -mm. Looks, looks good to me. And we quick glance everything that we do, even in ministry. Are y'all hearing your pastor? Number two, when we talk about self-judgment, we need to guard not only against the deception of a shallow examination. Secondly, uh, give me the text. Secondly, we need to guard against the debilitation of a perpetual autopsy. What do I mean by that? Sometimes you can be too hard on yourself and go too far. There's got to be a balance. You know what an autopsy is? Does everybody know what an autopsy is? You ever watch Law and Order? Uh, my daughter's why well, I used to watch it. Law and Order SVU. Is that what it is? You, you, you know what an autopsy is, right? When they put the body, they examine the body, they find out what happened, you know, post-mortem, all of that, right? So, 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 so uh, understand, some of you are, you have this, you, you self-examine, but you take it too far. And what it ends up doing is you end up always discouraged and feeling defeated, overly mindful of your issues. Guard against both. Are you in the house here this morning? 
How, how many are guilty of this too? You, you just you examine yourself, but then you go way beyond. And next thing you know, you're, you're not only examining yourself, you're beating yourself up now. That doesn't honor God either. You see, you're beyond self-examination. Now, now you're just beating up a, you're beating up a corpse. You've got to be careful here. Don't take it too far. This is, I hope this is encouraging somebody here because some of you, you have a propensity to go too far. Are you in the house? Shout amen. Just, you've you, you got to be careful. Understand that Jesus forgives us and he restores. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. So you've got to be careful and also guard against going too far. That you not end up discouraged and defeated. Somebody shout hallelujah. You've got to guard against that. Now, there is a righteous kind of judgment. Write it down. I'm out of time. John 7, verse 24. I'm going to read it for you. It's up there on the screen. John 7, verse 24. It says the following. Pastor, are we ever to judge? Yes, but here's the kind of judgment that we should judge. Brother, can you give me the text, please? I'm out of time. John, uh, you should have it. John chapter 7. Uh, it's, it's there. Can, can, can you give it? John chapter 7, verse 24. Uh, ready? Read. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will what? No, no, that's Matthew. I'm reading the wrong text. John, I'm sorry, everybody. John chapter 7, verse 24. All right, write it down. Read it when you get home. It basically says, you and I are to judge righteous judgment. Everybody shout righteous judgment. Now, brother, give me the points because we got to finish. Go to the end now. So, so here's the explanation. Here's, here's, the, here's the gist of the message this morning. When Jesus told us not to judge, brother, put it up there on the screen, please. we got to finish. When Jesus told us not to judge, he was telling us not to judge hypocritically. When Jesus told us not to judge, he, wanted, he was trying to warn you not to be a hypocrite when you judge other people. Guard against hypocrisy. What Jesus was condemning was that hypocritical, self-righteous judgment of other people. Be careful with that. Amen. Now, so here's the exhortation. Ask God to remove those things that blind you. Ask him to remove them. Because when we know of our sins and attempt to help others, that's called hypocrisy. Check yourself first. Amen. This is what Jesus was guarding against. He said, hey, examine yourself before you judge other people. Or else you're going to be guilty of hypocrisy. And I've been guilty of hypocrisy too. In fact, the Lord has used this to deal with my own hypocrisy on many times. Somebody will come and I'd give them a word and then the Lord's like, hey, what you got going on in your life? I'm just like, ooh, help me, Jesus. And so this is what he's guarding us from, hypocrisy. So ask God to remove those things that are keeping you blind. Secondly, and to finish, remember the reason. Give me the last point, brother. Remember the reason for judgment. Why do we judge? Why do we judge? It's not that we can condemn other people, but that we might be able to effectively minister grace to them in their time of need. This is why we judge other people. What would happen if the church said, I judge to help and minister grace. I don't judge to condemn anybody. What would happen in the church of America if we stopped conde condemning everybody and said, Lord, help me to see clearly so that I can minister grace to them in their time of need? How would the church look? People wouldn't be afraid to come because they know that they're not going to get judged the way the world judged, but they're going to be helped by the church. Say amen if you're in the house. You see, that's the kind of judgment that he wants us to judge. Don't remember, stop telling everybody, don't judge. Stop that. That's not what Jesus was trying to say. What he was saying is don't judge hypocritically. Judge yourself first. See that thing you got in your eye? Stop criticizing your brother's issue when you got a two-by-four in your own eye. Stop that. Judge yourself first. Give yourself a, not a quick glance. Examine yourself. Hello? So that you'd be able to what? Minister grace to somebody else who needs it. Say amen if you heard the word of God today. Clap your hands and give God a praise. Everybody standing.